Welcome, welcome, welcome and happy surprise. Here's a little Friday episode. There's a little treat for you. Regular listeners will know every now and then I hear a podcast that really stops me in my tracks. And when that happens, I if it's a smaller podcast, I'll often hit them up and ask if I can do a thing called a feed drop. As I've said numerous times before, a feed drop is is something that podcasters with a certain amount of listeners might get asked to do quite a bit and to be paid for. I've never accepted a paid one. I've only ever done ones that it's my idea. And this is one of them. On Sunday, I was listening to the, the, the Mum and Mama podcast and Kirsty Bosley was on. And I've had Amy from the Mum and Mama podcast on here. I've had, had Bozzers on here. And they were great episodes, but the conversation that these two had really blew me away. And basically, short backstory, Kirsty recently um, had, as again, if you heard the episode with her, she is a journalist and she had an article recently that went absolutely viral. The thing I loved about this episode is the kind of discussion on the positives and negatives of that and again then it goes deeper and deeper and deeper when they start to speak about history and upbringing and expectation and all these other things and I loved it I loved it I'm a big fan of both of these women anyway but I was really moved by this conversation and I wanted to bring it to you guys so yeah it's a bonus it's free you know how these things work if you enjoy it I recommend Go in and give your mum and mama a, a listen. It's a great podcast. It's not only for parents. It's just Amy talking to interesting people. Often parenthood will come up, but that can be kind of enlightening for all kinds of approaches to to mental health, to how we live, all sorts of other things. So I recommend that. Obviously, I recommend going and reading Kirsty. I, I, I know Kirsty as Bozzers. So Kirsty or Bozzers, is, is, I'll, I'll drift back and forth. So apologies. Yeah, go and give her article a read, go and give her a a follow on socials and enjoy the episode, basically. Obviously, I'll be back next week as usual with another great episode on Wednesday. But for now, this is I'm dubbing it. I'm I'm dubbing it the um, the ups and downs of going viral, because I think that's really what sums it all up. And it really whilst that was the starting point, it was the conversations that that triggered that really blew me away so yeah this is last week's episode of mum and mama the ups and downs of going viral with amy Borman in conversation with kirsty bosley let's go And what? You have so many titles. <laughs> Journalist. Yeah. What am I? Comment- Are you a commentator on wrestling? Uh, not commentator, no. Um, I am a ring announcer. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, that, and even that's that? only sort of... Uh, I just... I just fill in for it, really. Don't ask me how it started because it's a whole, it's a whole thing. But it it was just one of those things where I was like, I've done this all my life in terms of like I've been a wrestling fan since birth. So I've yeah. always like played wrestling, and as a result of it, introduced wrestlers like myself and my brother or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? I've sort of always like done it, and so um, yeah, I, I work behind the scenes at um nxt uk which is the wwe's british arm um, i do some behind the scenes stuff there anyway and um is that is that up where you are no i come to london for that oh it's in london yeah okay. so um so, how so yeah i just you have to do that so we're away for one week out of every uh say about six or seven and we do two days of filming um, okay. And so I've just filled in for the ring announcer a few times. Um, yeah. And so, but but you do it for a couple of days, and then it runs over like eight episodes of TV. So, like eight so weeks. So what are you in TV. the ring? 
no, I don't. I stand on ringside, which is flipping lucky because I'm the kind of person that will fall over on my arsehole in front of everybody. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so, no, I stand at ringside and, and do all the announcements. <laughs> I know, it? it's nerve-wracking because I'm not a public speaker at all. I'm very behind the scenes. And I've always thought, because I'm like, I live in a fat body. I'm not, I'm not like, you know, I'm pretty chill with it. But as a result of that, I know that, you know, my accent and the way that I look means that I'm not really... I've never thought anyway that I would ever be able to, like, broadcast in any way, that my writing would always be just me behind a screen. So I never really thought that I would ever host anything. So I've never really thought about it on, like, a super serious level. I've only ever just... I don't know. I've just done it for fun with my friends and, you know, like I said, at home. And so when when they were talking about ring announcing, I was like, I'll I'll do that. I'll give that a go. And I, I was sort of just half joking. But um, they said, oh, well, send us a video of you doing it. And I was like, I've got nothing. I can't do this. But I did. So I, so I ignored it and didn't send anything. And then one of our colleagues over there had said, look, record yourself pretending and send it over and let them have a look because you never know what might happen. So I did. And then m- months passed. It must have been months. Um and then yeah, they they contacted me and said like, would you be up for doing it in front of a live crowd? <laughs> it's, it's just still so ludicrous to me to think about. It's just stupid. And I was like, uh, yeah, sure. And then went and did it, but I w- it was extremely high stress. Like, I, d- I did. How it many in- people oh, are in the crowd? Uh, we don't have all that many at the moment, just because of the way that like COVID is, and in the BT Sports studios, there's like not all that much space. Um, so a, a couple of hundred, I'd, I'd guess. But, but still, I'm just going to press record on here, just in case. No problem. Um, that's still quite a lot. Two hundred people is a lot of people. Man, it's two hundred people more than I'm used to. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, was it like the first time you did it, absolutely terrifying. Like, have you done anything in front of people ever? Before? No, I, do, I, I have. Um, I used to work on a newspaper about eight years ago and a story that I did for them was I trained to become like a stand-up comic. So I, I oh did this. God. So every week I would go to these like stand-up comic lessons and write about it. And then I did a, a stand-up routine, but it was very rehearsed and very um, like very scripted. And I don't know, it didn't mean as much to me because it was just... Me in front yeah. of a bunch of my pals were there. Whereas this is like yeah. flipping WWE, you know. It's, I've been watching yeah. this since I was born. So, like, the pressure... It, not the pressure that anyone else gave to me because everyone was wicked. But the pressure yeah. that I put on myself was, like, a lot. And I, I, I remember after we finished, I just got myself into such a state. We walked outside. Me and... I don't know if you know Jim Smallman. He's a creative director yes. there. He yeah, used to yeah, run... Yeah, yeah dish, on the Detraction Pieces Network had a podcast. Um, but me and him, like, left BT Sports Studios... And as soon as the, I don't know if it was just the fresh air hit me or something, but I just opened my mouth and just projectile vomited all over the place. And poor Jim, he's got like, he's got a real thing about sick. Like, he cannot hack it. And I was just spew, I couldn't even speak. I was just walking, there was just spew everywhere. And so we got there for the, the second day of taping and got out the car walked back through and like there was just sick everywhere you know the fans have got to be it was just horrible it was just really stressful oh my god so yeah I got myself into a right state but that's it's funny isn't it when you think about that how much pressure you obviously put yourself under to make yourself do that but you still did it something that I have to really tell myself is that like discomfort because I've got quite, I mean, I'm sure we'll probably get into it because it seems to be like the overarching thing in my life. But I've got quite a lot of like, you know, <laughs> mental health issues, <laughs> particularly in more like the more recent years, as I'm sure a lot of people have. And something that I have to really tell myself is that discomfort is the price of progression, right? It's the price of yeah. development. You know, if you're uncomfortable, yeah. then it probably means that you you're going through a learning or growing experience. Yeah. Um, and so I have to I have to tell myself that because my instant go to is you know what no I'll, I, yeah. don't, I don't think I will thanks I think I'll just stay at home yeah. and do nothing so that's my go to default so I have to just try and reprogram my brain with it really to accept yeah. accept it as a positive rather than being like 
but it's it's an amazing thing to know that but actually doing that it takes a lot of courage i think to put yourself out of your comfort zone and your safety mm. so that's, yeah. it's amazing that you can and that that should do you do you realize that do you um, realize what you you are doing I, I think sometimes after the fact particularly with the wrestling thing because as soon as i did it I just thought, even if they never ask me to do it again, no one will ever take it away from me. I did it. I really yeah. did it. And, and you know, yeah. and it's an incredible thing to be able to, like, to tell people, particularly, like, you know, my friends and that, who I know through wrestling, who have just been my wrestling friends forever, to just be able to be like, oh, yeah, I did, I did ring announcing for WWE. It's like, what the hell are you That's talking about? I still just it's think it's amazing. Ma- yeah, I do. I, do, I it- can appreciate that it is... Yeah. really cool and I think it was um that in itself was nice but when they asked me again to go back and do it again I thought well it can't have been that bad and yeah it's just I'm I'm, I'm learning to accept it and to to enjoy the process but I'm a yeah I'm a bit of a funny one really so I, I, I struggle sometimes to just enjoy the moment I'm always yeah. stri- striving for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing I'm a bit of a bit of a goer like that really I go off. But, yeah. <laughs> just but that's understandable. And especially in those, it, they're nerve wracking. It's not, I mean, that standing in front of loads of people is a very scary thing. Yeah. Do, you know, yeah. But I think, but you do get used to it. Yeah. I, I hope I that I will. You will, you do. It's just the more you do it, the more it becomes normal. Yeah, it it does. Yeah, it certainly was better the second time I went and did it. The third time I went and did it. The fourth time I went and did it. It was it it was certainly like much more chill. And I think once you get your head around the fact that like generally people don't want to see you fail, you know what I mean. People want you to do. So when I'm standing there talking talking to the crowd or whatever. If I like, I'm stu- it's not so much the announcements because those are easy to do. So, for example, like this person is coming to the ring weighing this much. All that is very scripted. You can plan all that. But it's the stuff in between, like where you've got to talk to the crowd. And I think, you know, I, I got myself into into such a headspace about it where it was like, I sound like an idiot. I sound like an idiot. You don't sound right. You sound like an idiot. And I think, you know, I have to stop and think, like, people don't want to see you fail. They're there to have yeah. fun. And so they're, they're going to be receptive to it. And so it's just, it's just all a it's just all a process. But I think that because um, of the way that NXT UK is, it is very much a developmental territory for, like, the bigger... It's developmental territory for the bigger wrestling, basically, in America. Right, okay. So, you know, Raw and SmackDown or whatever at WWE. Like, so NXT like, was like always a like a feeder. Right, yeah, okay, yeah. That's, at, at least that's how I've seen it. I, can't, I, I, I am freelance. I don't speak on behalf of WWE, so I, I can't, yeah. can't say for sure what they would say. But that's certainly, I think, what it began as. It was, it was like yeah. a developmental territory. And so it's quite nice that that also can go for me. You know what I mean? I'm not that I'm going yeah. going to go up and go to America because they've got an abundance of talent, know. but it's the fact that like they're willing to develop my skill set and and like yeah. you know the guys over in America that that tr- like trained me in it, they were just so generous with like their time and their their skills and pa- passing on that information. And I, I I just sat there and I was like, I'd pay you to have this. You know what I mean? I'd pay you to tell me this information. Yeah. It was like a masterclass with some of the best announcers in the world. So I just I just feel super lucky that I'll get to be on that little journey as well. But they've all felt exactly the same way as you do. Everyone's like, got a first time, haven't they? Everyone's got a first time and everyone has imposter syndrome. Yeah. Well, I think there maybe are a couple of people who don't have it. Yeah, yeah. I think but it all think depends on how you're brought do. up as well, right? If you bought up to believe, and I think how believe. much you care about it as well. Like if it's something you really love, yeah, it's a double-edged sword. That, that is, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I think it probably helps if you've been brought up to believe in yourself. Whereas I've like yes. been, I never really got that. So it's all just having to be something that I'm finding as I as I go. Yeah, yeah. But what I want to go back to what you said about living in a fat body and feeling mm. like you couldn't because of where you're from. Yeah. Imagine yourself doing something like that, which is heartbreaking to hear because anyone can do anything. But also, I completely get where you're coming from. Yeah. Because I'm a woman 
<laughs> yeah. You know, I've been told that I've got to be skinny my whole life from whatever, you know. Yeah. But do you feel like, I feel like things are getting more, not acceptable, but more, I'm, you're used to seeing more different kinds of body types now. Yeah. And it's like people are definitely starting to pave the way, because it, it doesn't fucking matter. Do you know what I mean? No, well, you'd but, think that it doesn't, but, like, it still impacts me every day with, like, my job, my job. like, the other side of what I do, so the WWE stuff is great, and and the guy the guys over in America, I said to them for straight from the outset, like I never thought that I would get the opportunity to do something like this, being the way that I am, and they were just like, "You're a badass. What the hell are you on about?" Like yeah. they they couldn't, and they, and I used to think it's a sports brand. You've got all these ripped and shredded people. I grew up watching wrestling, and the women that I couldn't look up to the women as people that I felt like. I could grow up to be because they were just otherworldly and just so stunning and you know slender muscular and athletic and just gorgeous and I just so I used to look up to like Bret Hart because I felt like he was short and I was short and he liked pink and I liked pink I was going about this but but I couldn't see myself in women in 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 wrestling but that I mean that's by the by because just the way that they are with me they're just like we don't all that we care about is your talent we don't care about anything else like you know and they're just so supportive and like alicia who's the nxt um ring announcer in america she's just so such a cheerleader she's such a like she just she really encourages me to be myself but in my other job which is journalist as as in that's my that's my bread and butter my everyday job the the hate that i get for being a fat person is out of control i've never experienced it in any like i have recently i had a, a a story that sort of went went viral i suppose you'd say and it got a lot more eyes on me and while that was really cool because i I got a lot of people saying like how happy they were to read it and how joyful they felt in that experience we got to share that together the hate that i get for being a fat person honestly it's it's out of control they've had to start turning off um comments on my stories to like protect yeah because they have to like prote- obviously they protect the, the editors have to protect us as journalists and they do yeah. a, they do a lot behind the scenes to protect us but it's just humiliating you know to not be able to have those not, not be able to have those comments on because people just 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 rip me to shreds for being fat it's it's miserable man it's really miserable especially considering i'm writing a lot of food stuff recently it's like do you yeah. want me, do you want me to just die do you want me to just die yeah. do you want me to just starve myself what do you want me to do yeah oh man yeah. it's been it's been a bit of a rough go really i can't but, but i just i suppose I don't, I don't understand what drives people to respond in such a hateful way to something which i mean whatever you look like and however you are has got absolutely nothing to do with anyone else or it doesn't affect anyone else. No. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and a lot of people have said, you know, if it weren't for the fact that you were fat, there'd be something else that they would get you for. Because it's mostly, like, you know, men. Misogynistic oh. men. It's mostly men that say these horrible things. But then they get, like, a lot of likes on their comment. And that gives them, like, courage. Like, oh, yeah, we like what you say. You know, we like what you're saying or whatever. But, yeah, I think a lot of it, even on story... Like, when there's a picture of me, if somebody wants to comment and say this fat pig or whatever then fair right it's not fair it's it's un, it's it's grossly unfair but like i can kind of see how that would happen whereas like there's stories where there's no picture of me whatsoever but people remember that i'm fat and comment about it on those stories oh, oh it's just God. so cruel it's just so cruel i don't know it's just cruel man i've been struggling to deal with that i'll be honest well i'm not fucking surprised because it's horrible you're being attacked for it's something that's completely irrelevant to anything yeah it's and like I, them having a go because you've got dark hair yeah or just any you know, of your attributes yeah it's, yeah it's i think horrible. it's because i think it's because like for a lot of people weight is something that you can control so therefore when you're a fat person they think you're fat because you, of your own life decisions and choices and you know that's just not we all know that that's not true yeah. we know that that's not true i think it's like thin privilege to think that that's a yeah. it's a decision that yeah. you make i mean yeah. don't get me wrong i could get myself out and go to the gym if i wanted to be a bit thinner i could eat better if i wanted to be a bit thinner but like you know the sometimes getting out of bed and just doing your flipping job in the day isn't yeah. is all you can do and and yeah but nobody's going to understand that are they and i just think would you say this to your kids what the hell i think unless you go through something you don't understand what it's like it's like when i first had 
a baby trying to deal with the tube and a pram was just like I couldn't believe how people just didn't help you they didn't get out of the way they just it's like they didn't see you but then I was like that I mean not as bad I'd like to see yeah before I had a pram yeah I I wasn't aware of how hard it was to have a pram yeah I I know what you mean if, if you've never struggled with eating habits or the fact that I mean, I've got friends who are stick thin, and when we were younger, they they ate ten times what I ate, and and just never got fatter. Exercise, <laughs> never got fat. Yeah, I a packet of biscuits, and I put on half stone. You yeah, know? and I have to. I. I've always had. I had eating disorders in the past. I still struggle. I'm trying to cut down on my sugar intake, but I find it really hard because that is my comfort. I gave up alcohol. I yeah, don't take drugs anymore. Well done. But thank you. But sugar, people, if it was seen as like, if it was like cocaine or something Mm -hmm. like that, Mm -hmm. people would kind of understand the difficulty people have. Yeah. For this, from my experience, yeah. The fucking sugar, that it's so hard to stop. But because it's an accepted thing and everyone has it, you realise how addictive it can be or how hard it can be to. Yeah, to cut that out. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, I got, I was quite unwell a couple of years ago um, and got, got put onto a medication and and one of the side effects of that medication, which is medication that keeps me alive, frankly, one of the side effects of that life saving medication is that it it increases your appetite. It makes you sleep a lot. It's just, you know, the point of it is it, it keeps you from dying of depression but you get given that and then that's that's it and then that's your yeah. life then and so you know yeah. sometimes like getting up and moving my body is hard because I'm tired and the fatter yeah. I get the harder that is to do you know yeah. probably should put trigger warning on this really for for the things that we're talking about but um but yeah sometimes it's like sometimes just getting out of bed is all I can do mate so if you want me to just be thin so, to, so I'm not pissing you yeah. off on some article when I'm trying to live my life then I, that's that's a you problem because happy people yeah. don't say things like that to people yeah, happy exactly. people don't yeah. so yeah. you just have to f- feel bad for them really that that's their life and it I'd, yeah and I do because I, I do think that like I said to you like well, I don't know what drives someone to see an article or see someone doing living their life yeah being happy but and then feeling that need to attack them for something about themselves that hasn't got anything to do with definitely i think another part of that is that you know life's really hard for a lot of people at the moment and you know the price of everything's going up and life's really difficult so when they see someone whose job it is to go out and have a free dinner which is effectively what i do when i do a food review right the newspaper pays me and the newspaper pays for my dinner so i go out and eat food and don't have to pay for it and have a great time in a Michelin star restaurant and I write about it and I appreciate that that is I'm really very fortunate to be able to do that but they see that and they're just like fuck this bitch I've got to go out and graft every day and this girl's got this and I can understand how people would have like anger in themselves but it's just the way that it comes out and how I have to be on the other end of that that's like that's cruel and difficult and I'm sure that if I could have a conversation with that person and pull them aside and be like look man this is what's going on here this is the truth this is the truth of the matter this is what's led up to this they don't see like all the student debt that I got into to be able to be a journalist in the first place or all of the fucking trauma in my life that led to me being a fat person that if I could just level with them I'm sure that we could just go you know what well, let's agree to just live and let live but because they're on the computer and we don't have that discussion they they just they're just acting out aren't they sad really the is, there's so many people out there with grotesque amounts of money living <laughs> extremely wealthy lifestyles that you know it's not they don't direct their anger at the right people yeah it's think. no that's true you know, it's like yeah. they pick on the easy targets yeah but again like i'll just say that that there's they're just sad guys, man. Because happy guys yeah. don't yeah. don't do things like that. And so yeah. I, ju- I, I don't know. It would just be nice to be able to have a conversation. But no one's come up to me in the streets and said, you know, you, you you're a fat bitch or whatever. People don't say it to my face. They just say it yeah. on the internet. And it's my my choice. You know, I like to engage with readers. I like to see what they like and what they don't like, or if they've had similar experiences. But I've had to learn to like not look at the comments sections of things. And that's I just think yeah. that's such a shame. 
It is a shame. Is there is there any comeback on any of it? Um, I I think to, I think they're trying to make that a thing where they you know they hold people accountable for the way that they are being. But I, I just think you know there's a, they can they can block somebody from commenting on the website ever again or whatever. But there's always ways around these things. It's like it's like any online bullying. It's just rife yeah. and it and it's it's hard to please. It's like the wild west out there still. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Thanks, man. Bullshit. It's yeah, it's a shame. It. Yeah, it's important to remember as well the fact that, like, since... So, it was one particular article. It's probably worth me just mentioning briefly what that article was because we're talking about it and some yeah. readers aren't going to know what we're on about. It. But I did, I did a, a food review of a Michelin star restaurant um, and it was just like, I'm common as muck and spent £150 in a Michelin star restaurant to see if it was worth it. And so the article was just yeah. about my experience there and, and how, in the end, I did feel like it was worth it. Um, yeah. And a lot of people, like a lot, I'm talking like hundreds of people, have contacted me as a result of that article and just said, I just felt like I was right there with you. What This yeah. brought me joy. And because... There's obviously a lot of heartbreak and misery in the world at the moment. I think people are just... It was like a nice change from what they were seeing in the news. Um, And so for every hateful comment, there's probably 200 lovely comments um, from people that just had a great time. So I have to try and look to that as well and not get bogged down with with the misery of it, really. But it's... Yeah, I I get that. And you think... all the accolades that you get and all the love and praise, it is shit that the one shit thing you'll get will hurt. You know, yeah. You kind of, not focus on it, but it does affect you. It's hard to kind of think, no, I'm going to concentrate on the positive, but... And, I, and I've been struggling a little bit with understanding um, my relationship to these comments from people that I don't know. So, for example... If Nigella Lawson says, I love this article, this is great, and then Bill from Birmingham says, this is shit, you're a fat bitch. <laughs> like, why am... I give more weight to Nigella in that moment because it's like it's yeah. Nigella, isn't it? And yeah, fuck yeah. Bill. But but yeah. realistically, both of those people's opinions are, are equal value, really. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I'm, yeah, not, yeah. I'm not, you know, not to give too much credence to somebody like Bill from Birmingham yeah. who's calling me fat, but there's there's a there's a situation in my mind there where I have to process and think just just because Nigella's Nigella and this guy is hateful, like what nobody's opinion means more than anyone else's opinion in this world, and that's hard for yeah. me to process because then it's like if I if I'm going to give credence to one, I then have to do it for both, or I have to ignore both and just carry on and not let the, either of them affect me. So it's it's still a work in but, progress. <laughs> but also if someone's giving a critique on the article that you've written and they're saying it's good because of how it is yeah it's bad because of how it is then yeah that's fair enough but if someone's just like attacking how you look yeah you're right it's got nothing to do with the article so that's you know that's just them being a dick yeah you are right something's shit Mm, yeah. That's not a critique, is it? No, that's true. But then you so, know, I don't know. It's I don't know. It's a it's a balance. It's just it's just a balance. It's a balance. I'm striking to try and like be see see like the humanity in both both sides of that. And like, yeah. there's a lot. You know, there's a lot of people that contacted me and said, you know, I'm just tell you're a really nice person, and I'm and I just think that's really sweet. But how? I don't. I can't. I don't understand. You know, I just I'm struggling with um. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just struggling with the the feedback in general, really, and just taking it for what it is. I don't know. Yeah. That's a me problem, I think. <laughs> it's a hard. It's hard, but you, at least you're working through it. And I'm, I just keep I'm going. Exactly the same. Yeah, just you. keep going with it. Like, just keep putting the same energy into my stories. I've been a journalist for 15 years now, and you know, I've probably had more store like hits in the last two weeks than I've ever had in my entire career in terms of readership you know and um but I've always put this out I've always tried to put the same energy into everything that I've ever ever written and so I'm just gonna keep keep on and not it it was a significant milestone in my career that that story yeah um 
How did it come about? Was it something that you wanted to do or did the paper ask you to do it? No, it was a, it was a me idea. Um, the Michelin Guide had come out and um, we didn't get any new Michelin stars in Birmingham. We've still got five, which is the most of any other city outside of London. Um, and I just thought, you know, it would be cool to go and just be like, is it worth it? And I'd yeah. said to them and they were like, look, we can't put a flipping Michelin star thing on expenses because it's expensive you know and and I was like okay well what if I pay for the meal myself and don't claim it on expenses and write it up because I'd I'd, I'd quite like to do it anyway I'd quite like to go for a Michelin star meal and so my editor was like well if you're sure then yeah go (laughs) do it um and so I just went and did it and it was a bit of a like a life-altering experience in a lot of ways yeah. So what was the restaurant you went to? It was Adams in Birmingham. I'd heard from the former food reporter at the Birmingham Mail, who's moved on now, she's um, at the Mirror. But she'd said to me, if you're going to go to any, go to Adams, because that's like the closest to two Michelin stars. And I was like, oh, well, if I'm going to be bougie, I might as well really, really go in. And... Um, so I decided that that was where I wanted to go. And so I booked and paid for it. And then when I arrived at the Birmingham Mail in the morning, my colleague Tamlin, who's uh, the like uh, business editor, he just looked at me and he was like, you're not going dressed like that, are you? Because I, I just, I'm always just like dressed like this, like a 13-year-old boy, always have, always will. And I was like, shit, am I badly dressed for this experience? Like, am I going to be allowed in? And I was like really stressing about it. Um... And then, yeah, just just went by myself and it was just unbelievable. It's just an unbelievable experience that will just stay with me for the rest of my life. I feel like it's it's altered the course of my life. It's weird. Just really? dinner. Yeah, I do. I really do. I felt, I felt like it was so significant. And when I came out of the restaurant, I mean, people can read the article if they're interested in what, like what food I had and that. But when I came out of the restaurant, I went home, I went straight home and wrote it up. Like I live about 10 minutes away. I wrote up the article straight away and it just flowed out of me. I can't explain it. It was like, I was so enthused and so yeah. like inspired and excited that as I, as I left, I just felt great. And then when I sat down to write it, it just came out really easy, blasted it out in like 15 minutes. It was just like, just buzzing. I just, it was like, yeah. a, it was, and so, you know, I think that's what people liked really is that you could tell it felt, I think people could tell that I was like buzzing my tits off on this yeah. dinner. <laughs> And that came across in the article. Yeah. Um, it's a yeah, great it was... read. I really enjoyed it. Thank and you. And I completely got all the... The how little touches. Yeah, yeah. That make you feel so special. Man, I felt like a million dollars. I never felt so special in my life. And that's really tragic, isn't it? But I've, ne- I've never... Ju- I just felt so... I don't know. It. I just felt like the, it was the culmination of like so many moving parts that it just yeah. felt like... A serendipitous dinner I don't know this is really cheesy isn't it it just I was <laughs> no. like I just everything just everything that I just felt the like I just felt the journey of everything like the chef yeah. and all of his experiences that had led to this moment and like every ingredient and how where they'd come from or where the thought that went in behind them and then that that chef took his knowledge and experiences put it into something that I consumed and then passed that joy to me and then I went home and in my own way I put that out into the world and then other people consumed that as it were yeah. and just this amazing energy like I don't know I just it was silly but I just was like I just feel like this is just passing good vibes through the universe it just yeah. felt really like significant I don't know this is silly no, isn't it? I know it's probably no, silly it's to listen not to silly. it's lovely and it's lovely that you had that experience I imagine that whoever made that food that you ate that's got to be the best well I've been back to see him since I, I went to see him last um last Saturday that the restaurant invited me back to go and have a tour of the kitchen um on the back of that article because they'd seen it and were obviously really pleased and when I got there I, I, I got there a little bit early because I knew that their like PRs were going to be there and they I don't know there's like a uh, 
PRs are really useful, but I always feel a little bit like stressed, like I've got to provide a story or got to do yeah, something. Yeah. I don't know. It's a different vibe. But, but I, so I went, and it was just a few minutes early, so I could just like stand there with the chef and like be like flipping out. Oh, that was mental, wasn't it? And just have a real human moment. Um, and so it was really nice to like meet him. And he said that the night before, somebody from California had gone and and booked out the chef's table downstairs and just had whatever like Kirsty Bosley had. had. They just wanted what I'd had because no they'd way. read the story. I know what a oh mental experience. My God. I know oh it's my God. incredible, and that I mean that was just like I don't know. I just it was just amazing, really. And a a, a few people had messaged me because the story. I got an email from a guy in California who'd said, um, I don't know if you know of this website, but it's quite significant in um, the the Silicon Valley. And your story was like on the homepage of that. And I don't know if you realised that was quite a big deal. And I was like, no, I didn't didn't realise. But then I had a bunch of emails from people in California just saying like, loved your story. And then I had a few people that messaged me and said, I would like to pay for your dinner. And people, were, and people were messaging just being like, I'd, I'd love to be able to, because it was £150 I spent in the end. Yeah. And they were like, I'd love to send you £150. And I was like, I can't accept that. But if you'd like to, there's a homeless um, charity called Cypher Fireside in Birmingham. I was like, if you'd like to donate some money to them in my name, so buy some other people dinner, that would be yeah. lovely. And then Cypher Fireside contacted me and said that they'd had don- donations. And like people were sending me receipts saying... Um, I've sent £150 to Cypher Fireside. I couldn't believe it. amazing. Isn't that, like, do you see what I'm saying? Why I think that there was, like, proof in the passing good vibes around the universe. Yeah, yeah. Because somebody else then went and had a great dinner. Somebody else then sent money and so that other people could eat i don't know man there was just something super significant about that but a few a few people i know and then this lovely bloke um who him him and his wife love food and um they'd been they'd been to a, a few michelin star restaurants and he just sent money to another michelin star restaurant in birmingham for a voucher that then just arrived in my inbox so that I could go and have another Michelin star meal at another Michelin star restaurant in Birmingham and because he just wanted to give me a gift and I was just so touched by that honestly I I wrote him a letter and told him about how how grateful I was but I was just like this is just so lovely lovely. I know it's just just this joy is like passing through from person to person it's significant isn't it I feel like (laughs) oh I want to cry thinking about it it was just so great I know but do you think almost because all these wonderful things have happened, that's why you've had to deal with the shit as well? Yeah, it's just got a kind of balance. Yeah, it's just been a bit of a. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like an emotional emotional uh, situation, isn't it? You know, because you've got all these different emotions that it's brought out of you, like yeah. joy and happiness, and you know, gratitude, and also you know as a result you've got all this like the misery and the sadness and it's I don't know it just feels like considering all I did was go out for dinner at a restaurant (laughs) it just feels like extreme like it's been an extremely significant like experience for me uh, which I appreciate is also mental (laughs) but I never claim not to be mental I told you from the outset (laughs) (laughs) I think it's amazing and that is so lovely and it does just make you feel nice when you know that there's nice people in the world yeah, incredible. Kindness. Yeah, and I think just having um, different people's eyes on my stories because that's for yeah. me. It's all I've ever wanted to do. Like it's all I've ever wanted to do ever since very small child. I was like drawing a newspaper and writing stories. It's oh it's really? All it's all I've ever wanted to do all my life is just to write stories for people to read. Um, yeah, and so to have all those eyes on it and for people to enjoy it has just been so beautiful and um you know I've got I've got a meeting in London next week with um like a literary agent that had been and read my stories and and said that they would be interested if I wanted to discuss like what my future looks like in terms of like if I'd want to write anything more like a book or something I know so I'm going to I know I know I know I know I know I know mate (laughs) Oh my God. I know when when I got that email in my inbox uh, and, and I just thought like even if nothing comes of this this literary agent and they represent like 
Sunday Times bestsellers, this agent. I know. And when I saw just the idea of like how many articles and stories and words do they read every day? And then they found me and liked my work. It's just, it just feels like I just can't believe, like, I just cannot believe it. It just feels like so wonderful. It's just, it's it's just one of the best things that's ever happened in my whole life. Oh, so exciting. Oh, no, thanks, man. I just feel... So is that... You've always wanted to be a journalist? All my life, since, since very, very, very small. Um, and I even remember when I was in, like, year nine or whatever, doing my SATs, I chose my options for... Because I wanted to be a journalist. And I, I've got, like... I used to write letters to the Express and Star, which was my local newspaper growing up, which I did end up writing for. I ended up with a column in there. But I used to write um, write letters to them, just like begging them for work experience, begging them to let me go in, just see what they were doing. And I used to go and I used to get on the bus and I would post it through their letterbox. And it was always like, well, maybe when you're 16. And then it was maybe when you're 18. And then it was, we're not accepting work experience anymore and oh. on and on. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's all, I've ever, it's all I've ever wanted to do in my whole life. And so it just, it's just so, it's so lovely that I get to do that for, for, yeah it's it's just it's just amazing but it it is also it comes with its own like set set of difficulties because I've like strived for this all my life um once you then like achieve that and you've got this cool thing it leaves you with a bit of a void where that where that desire was yeah and so it's about trying to channel that and think about what you know what else I want to do because I do I do feel like to to a large extent I'm like living my little dream you know what I mean I do I I do get to like live my little dream and so yeah it's like yeah I I, I want to (laughs) no you never know you never know would you want to write a book Uh, I guess so but I've always thought that it was completely out out of the realm of possibility for me but I I, um just because uh, let me think about this because it's quite deep, isn't it? But I think that my my background, my history of like I was brought up in uh, um, like challenging circumstances. I, I, I was a single parent, and um, I had m- my main caregiver struggled with addiction all my life, and so right. we lived in like po- poverty. I'd I'd describe yeah. it as I suppose now. Um, and and you know kids like me from like a real shit end of town or you know from the kind of background that I'm from like we don't have those same there's no one telling you like you could you could do this you could be this this could be you so all my life my desire to be a journalist and to strive for more has been as much if not more about escaping that as it has yeah. been achieving something good you know it's always been like running away from it. and even now like any desire that I've ever got to make money is only because I just can't be poor I just can't live yeah. like I can't I can't even imagine going back to that time of like not yeah. having toilet roll or washing your hair and washing up liquid or just any of those terrible things that like come with being living in poverty yeah. and I just I think that a lot of that has been you know the, the the striving to get out of that situation and so I just never thought that anybody like me would be able to grow up to be anything really yeah. <laughs> is, the, is the long and short of it yeah. um so I've never really thought about it. a book as being a realistic thing until I've and now as a 34 year old woman you know I'm having to really look at that and go I can't I can achieve I can achieve yeah. things and and it's okay to dream big dreams or to have ambitions outside of yeah. just like escaping the escaping like a bad time so yeah it's um it's all just a bit of a work in progress really do you know what you'd like to write about uh no I really don't I, I, I can't imagine that I'd want to do um fiction I don't think my imagination's like good enough for that but I'd quite like to do some non-fiction stuff um maybe it just be a collection of 
articles as chapters you know and yeah but I don't really know enough about food to be a food writer I really don't think that I am and also I'm a vegetarian so that's like you're cutting out three quarters of your (laughs) (laughs) your possibilities straight away what do you usually write what kind of what stories do you usually write? I will write anything for money. <laughs> I will write anything for money. I'm freelance. I've been freelance for about eight years. And I, I will just write. I'll just write anything you need me to write. I'm, like, pretty pretty good at turning my hand to, like, whatever. So I've done, like, copywriting for travel companies that have wanted, like, like luxury travel companies to write about destinations. I've done that. Yeah. I haven't been there, but I've written about them. I've learned about them and, <laughs> and written about them. And, you know, I really liked to facilitate other people telling their stories so I really like to interview particularly local people that have like done something cool I like to tell their stories um and so I'll I'll write anything realistically and the way that things have been with freelancing you just never know like I've I've never been well off or successful enough to be able to choose what I want to do. So if they're like, we need somebody to cover shopping stories for for a month, can you do it? I'll do it. Um, So I've never really found my niche. I guess features is probably it where I can, you know, be a little bit more like colourful with my storytelling. Um, So I really loved. I really love to write features, but. But what that looks like, I don't know. But more recently, everyone's like, now I've got like a bunch of new followers that want want more food stories, and so I I wonder if maybe I'm just gonna get, I'm just gonna fall into that groove for a bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. why not? Why not? Why if I'm not? getting free dinners, I flipping love a free dinner. Have exactly. you seen me? How many joking? <laughs> Self-deprecating, fat joking before you can get me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only joking. Do you do that a lot? Yeah, I've got to stop it. It's not yeah. good. Yeah, it's not it's not good. I notice it when like sometimes if I'm around like kids, so like my partner's kids, um, I'll like make funny jokes about like, oh, you you need to give me more space than that for my fat bum or whatever, and I'll make jokes, make jokes, and I just think if I ever heard any of them speak to each other or themselves the, the way that I speak about me, I would be yeah. gutted, and that's yeah. like you know that's that's a big responsibility, isn't it? Yeah, but that that's a good way to help you be kinder to yourself. Do you know what I mean? Because if you know that people that you love, how you'd hate for them to be like Yeah, that, to talk about it. I, 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 I am it. guilty of doing it. I, I am yeah. guilty of doing it. Self, I think self-deprecating humour is quite British, isn't it? And yeah, I, it is. And I'll always get myself on something. Before that, it was like, well, I mentioned to you earlier, it's like, oh, just like a big 13-year-old boy, like in my bo- 13-year-old boy clothes, so I just... Wear, wear the same clothes since I was a kid, like you know. Yeah. But um, yeah. There's got there's always something, but I I do need to work on that. It's something I I am aware that I do need to work on. It's not good, is it? But it's not. But then also, don't be hard on yourself about that. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's just it's if I think if you're aware of trying to be kinder to yourself, just every day, just kind of trying to grow on that, and then eventually you will stop. Yeah, I do it. I take the piss out of myself. I dress like a thirteen-year-old boy. <laughs> and Lola, who's eleven, her mate's got the same trainers that I've got. Cool. I'd feel and good about like, that. See, I told you I dress <laughs> I like a twelve-year-old boy. Yeah, but yeah, ugh, I love it's something that I want to work on. People don't make it easy for you to work on it, though, do they? Particularly now, like the way that you know, there's a lot of um, a lot of bad vibes sometimes, and. So just yeah, it's something I've got to work on. That will get thin, and then they'll leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs) But it's just so I don't get it. I don't understand. I suppose it's maybe that's like because you can't be racist or homophobic as easy as you used to be able to. Maybe people are clinging on to the the hate that they're allowed to spout. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's the last thing. Maybe, yeah, we've just got to work on this one now. But how did you get into the wrestling? Were you just always a massive fan? Yeah, just since just since birth. My, um, I've got an older brother who's about 20... I think he's about 20 months older than me. And we used to watch it together as kids. And then there would be... So somebody that my mum knew used to have sky so they would record the wrestling and then give the tape to us 
and then we used to watch the wrestling the next day. Yeah. So I've just always loved it all my life. And then um, as I got a bit older, uh, when I started work, when I was about 16, when I was 17, I started working in a music shop, working with a guy there who'd started to wrestle um, like on the independent scene. And I didn't know anything about independent wrestling. And so he introduced me to that. Um, and we just all used to go to the wrestling to watch him. And then after that, it just I just never stopped going. I just always I thought always gone. Um, yeah. And then I, I had the podcast on this network. I can remember the yes, um, Night Jaw, which I still do have. I've not like lost the podcast; it still exists. But there was a a whole nightmare a couple of years ago, um, in which a lot of shit came out about uh, the abuse of power in wrestling and there was a whole like me too speaking out movement right okay. and ever after that i've like struggled to um to support it in any any way I'm oh still, really yeah just i just don't it's just hard to to talk about and i feel like i don't know who who you can interview without feeling like i don't know if this person's legit like has this person hurt someone and you know oh, it's really? just yeah it just it just it's just been it's just been rubbish really independent wrestling has just turned into a bit of a bin it's sad oh shit yeah. that's bad yeah it is bad it's really 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 bad but still not much has changed i don't think like, are they not doing anything about it really no so um an all-party parliamentary group for wrestling was set up and i went to a few meetings with them um just to find out what they were doing and what their plans were and very much the idea was um wrestling doesn't fall under sport because it's pre- predetermined and so sports england won't accept it as being like a, a legitimate sport and then it's not quite entertainment because while it is it's still a bit sporty so it just falls into this like no man's land where no one's policing it so like anyone can teach you how to wrestle and that person could be a flipping nightmare paedophile and you would yeah. never know. And so it's just, it's rough, man. It, it, it's probably not even worth me taking you down the rabbit hole because it will make you depressed. But that's ridiculous. Don't so even start me, mate. Do what it wants. And... I know. So all we're doing, like, behind the scenes still now, me and, like, a group of people that's, that still campa- like campaign for, for change and reform and for someone to listen and it's just difficult to get anyone to listen to what you're trying to say and it's just like how many people have got to get hurt it's like gymnastics right how many people have got have their lives ruined or you know destroyed how many survivors have got to come forward and say that it happened to them until anybody goes you know what actually let's do something about it it's just it's just miserable as sin just so miserable but it it sort of killed independent wrestling for me i can't i don't feel like i can trust it that's fair enough yeah it's very male dominated yeah pretty male dominated i'd say there's certainly in more recent years there's a lot more female voices within it and i think a lot of places are trying to um to be more inclusive on their boards or behind the scenes um, to include other people but yeah it has been a bit of a dude fest for a long time yeah by its nature right just yeah there's not yeah. all that many girls that are into wrestling it's just the way that it's always been but um but what what that does mean is that like you've got stupid idiot boys right that have gone from being this nerd at school that never had any friends that like wrestling to being a wrestler and then loads of people have been like wow you're a my hero now and the, what power dynamic that causes and yeah. how that could then be turned into evil which seems to be that something that a lot of dudes are into yeah. <laughs> turning things into evil <laughs> how are you joking yes but yeah there's a lot of that go- going Happy around isn't there? horrible situation oh, yeah. yeah it's sort of like killed independent wrestling for me for a and so a lot of companies like now they've set back up again and they put safeguarding plans in place and they're being yeah. transparent with what they're doing but even then, like, that, how are they supposed to know if no one's holding them accountable? There's, there's yeah. just a lot of, you know, there's yeah. a, 
there's an organisation called Wrestling Safely that have that have got a website um, that you can go and download like free safeguarding guidelines and co- codes of conduct that you can hold your staff to. Um, and so there's like free resources available, but no one can police it really. All you can do is hope that somebody will pay attention. And, and it seems to me from meetings that I've had that the way that people are looking at it is you wrestling police yourself and what the how the hell are we supposed to do that it's a downer it's a bloody downer shame um so have you booked your next michelin starred meal no no i haven't i I, I am gonna do it my next one's gonna be simpsons which is in birmingham i'm gonna go to that um but i don't know when and i'll probably i don't know if i'm gonna write about it or if i'm just gonna try and enjoy it just enjoy it just enjoy it was the what type of food was it at adam's what just like british food i think okay yeah see i'm so shit at it as well i don't know any of like the words i don't know any of the terms i don't know any of the terminology or all this kind of stuff but what i can tell it's just british food so there's a lot of like yeah from what i could have anyway there was just a lot of uh like mushroom and vegetables (laughs) just vegetables yeah Yeah, did you have a lot of foam british food there was no foam, thank the no Lord foam. for that. There was not even a Did you have any smoke? Foam. There was a bit of smoke, yeah. yeah. They had, um, on my favourite dish actually, it was cucumber, they had wasabi snow. And that, wow. so that was like giving a bit of a smoky yeah. vibe. But nice. it, it was just sort of like good food rather than it being yeah. like really flamboyant, like yeah, Heston yeah, yeah. Blumenthal style stuff. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I would love to experience that like food theater you know yes that would be yeah, wicked yeah, yeah. um so i'm not I, i'm not against that i would really love to experience that um but it was mostly just really really great flavors and yeah, just yeah. doing cool shit with but that's vegetables. all you want isn't it really you just that's want all, to enjoy it yeah i mean I, that's what all i wanted in that moment because i was like yeah. this is the honestly i had tears in my eyes it was like there was parts of my mouth that i just didn't i only see I feel like there was taste buds that had never been invigorated before. You know what I mean? Wow. It was like, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. And, and my like my eyes were watering and I was like, my mouth was watering. I mean, it's watering now thinking about it, like Pavlov's yeah. dog. It was just so, it was just, <laughs> it was just like, it was just so flavoursome. <laughs> There's no yeah. way of doing And afterwards I came out and I, I was saying um, to my colleague, I was like, I just don't think I'm going to be able to do justice to how good it was in my words because I yeah. haven't got enough like synonyms for good <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know what I'm gonna it was wicked it was good it was great it was ice it was excellent <laughs> I was like I don't think I'm gonna be able to come up with enough to say oh, oh it was I good go. I go come to Birmingham we'll yeah. go that'll be really nice yeah, right. yeah. it would me. be nice yeah it would be nice because I went <clears throat> I was in Cornwall at the weekend and we went to Adam Handling's restaurant. Lovely. Called The Ugly Butterfly. And we had the tasting menu. Yeah. And it was... I really appreciated the experience. It was a beautiful restaurant. The staff were all wonderful. It had all the touches that, like you describe in your article, it makes you feel very special. But it wasn't my type of food. I appreciated it all. And I enjoyed it all. But it wasn't... It wasn't what I'd order. Okay. What's your kind of food, would you say? Well, I like all food, to be fair. But it was was British. But it was quite a lot of cheese and quite a lot of fish. Which, I do like cheese and I do like fish. But that was just kind of an overpowering... Like, we had one of the courses was venison. And I'd never had venison before. But for me, I'd like to go out and have a nice steak. Yeah. That's, I'm quite happy with that. I'm yeah. quite easily pleased, I think, even though I'm yeah. moaning about the Michelin star. You don't moan about it, was it. I was asking. But it, and it was very rich as well. Yeah. Um, I suppose you're going to have a lot of seafood lovely, being in Cornwall, right? Well, yes, yeah. yeah. And I don't, I do like fish, but I don't like, I had scallops. I don't, I've never really liked scallops and crab. I'm not too keen on. But it was... I did like it all. There wasn't anything that I couldn't eat or didn't eat. I tried everything. Yeah. But I just, yeah, it was just quite rich. And I don't think I'm I'm the right person to go and have that. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I would have been better probably not having the tasting menu and just having a dish. What you like, and, what you fancy. You know, yeah. 
completely understand but it was yeah. yeah it was it's a nice experience and it's nice to do things like that which i've never i think i have had a tasting menu before somewhere else but i'm not i can't really remember but i think that's definitely the first time i've had one at a michelin starred restaurant and it, i i don't think i'll probably be doing it again i might do once in my life but it's not you know it's not yeah okay <laughs> interesting you know that's so what i wonder if when i was saying about how it was the best thing ever and it's worth it i wonder if that could be said for any michelin star restaurant or if it was just that one you know what i mean because yes, maybe adam's yeah. is just spectacular and i'll go to another one and be like yeah it was fine but maybe it was just that it but just hit that. right at the right time yeah. So, yeah, yeah, maybe it was just Adams, I don't know. It'd be interesting to talk to other people that went and how they felt about it. But I suppose if it's what you like as well, like, if I'd have had... If I'd, if it had all been my food, like, things that I'd eat or that I'd, I'd liked more, then I probably would have felt a lot different about it. Yeah. You I know? think that's why I want... I, I, I sort of wanted to try things that I wouldn't normally have, just because yeah. I just wanted the, I just wanted that experience. I just wanted to see what yeah. that would be like. And it was well, extraordinary. Friend, actually, who was with us she doesn't like there was a few things on there that she wouldn't normally eat but she forced herself to have it she was like no i'm here to experience new things and which i think is a great attitude really good attitude yeah and she enjoyed everything good so sometimes it is like you don't know yeah a lot of people are like no i don't like that yeah you've got preconceptions in your mind as well haven't you of like oh i just don't like that and that's just the way it is but then there's definitely an alchemy at work with like a good chef where they can take the things that you do like it's they're very detailed with the nuances of of each flavor right and so they can like make the best out of something or change something by mixing it with something else there's definitely like some potion mastery going on that makes it good and also if you're going to have something that you don't like you're better having it done by a michelin starred chef than you are exactly anyone else in it but i honestly have i have to say that of all the courses that i had i didn't leave a single thing on a plate i ate yeah. every single morsel of every single dish every single yeah. one i was just like this is great this is great this is great this is great i just loved it one I, one the, the cucumber i enjoyed more than the others um but I enjoyed them all very, very, very much. What was your? What was the dessert? Um, what was it? There was white chocolate. There was some white chocolate, like I don't even know how you would explain it. There was some like white chocolate situation. Yeah. Um, I can't for the life of me remember what was with it. But there was like two desserts on this tasting menu. Oh, okay. I can't. I can't tell you what it was. Can't even was remember good. what it was. It was just good. I just wolfed it down but the, yeah. it sort of peaked, the dinner peaked really early because it was like one of the starters that i enjoyed the most and i can okay, tell you loads yeah. about that but yeah. um <laughs> yeah the rest of it was just like yeah this is nice this is good it was just good it was good oh, <laughs> i'm glad you enjoyed it so much yeah and who out of everyone that's read it and commented who was the most surprising person for you i think probably jay rayner just because even I know who Jay Rayner is and I don't know like all that I don't read food reviews I'm not I'm not like super knowledgeable and there's like names that I did recognize that I really enjoyed the fact that they had read it but I think Jay Rayner is like notoriously he's a bit of a hard ass isn't he right yeah so what did he say he just said that um he was like oh I'm a bit late to the party but I'll echo what other people said this is just joyful and I just thought that flipping means a lot coming from Jay Rayner. Are you kidding me? What? Yeah. That's yeah. like that was that was a big deal for me. Other people was just lovely, but yeah. But, and and like um, Marina O'Loughlin at the Times, the food reviewer there. Um, oh wow! She was like the first one, I think, really to to message and say that she'd enjoyed it. But it was just like fuck me. Oh my god! Can you imagine that these people who this is their job? And they're saying, yeah. like, that they enjoyed it. I was like, this is sick. That was so cool. It was so <laughs> wonderful. It was just lovely. It's just nice to Are have that recognition. Telly? Were you on telly? I wasn't. I was on radio the next day. They wanted to talk to me about it on the radio the next day. Which is hilarious, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I was on the radio talking about it. Yeah. I think they were just hyped. Oh. People were just hyped to see Nigella talking about it, I think. Because Nigella, yeah. you know that Nigella knows what she's talking about with food. She's like Delia yeah. Smith, isn't she? That would have been nice if Delia Smith had read it. <laughs> Everybody fucking read this. Let me speak out with you. <laughs> Thanks, Delia. I might send it to her and see if she'll read it. <laughs> yeah, 
Oh. Yeah, so... Oh, thank you for coming on to talk to me. Thank you for having me. I feel like we've just jumped around all over the place. I'm sorry if that's been a bit scattergun. No, that's all good. Oh, good. It's good to be on. But please let me know how you get on with your meeting. I'm very excited for you. Thank you very much. I don't know if anything will happen with it, but it's just nice to be asked. Nice to be included. Exactly. Nice to be involved. Well, wait there. Let's say bye, and then I'll say bye properly. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you very much. No problem. Thank you. Bye. so yes that was a lovely Kirsty. thank you for listening if this is your first time then I've got well two years worth of other episodes that you can catch up on I've spoken to loads of wonderful people I also do something called the epic mum chat with the lovely Nikki and we have a new episode out so if you search epic mum chat on YouTube you will find us please subscribe subscribe to the podcast subscribe to the YouTube channel share sharing is caring I hope you're good if there's anything you think I should talk about or any guests you have to recommend then please get in touch with me mum and mama pod on all the socials stay safe stay sane big love to you all and I'll see you next week bye You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. As said, follow Bozzers on the socials. She's an amazing writer. Her journey is only going to get bigger and better as the years go by. Give mum and mama a a lesson, a follow, a subscription, whatever you need to do. And yeah, I'll see you all next week. Until then, stay safe and stay sane. Ta-ta.